Hey, welcome back to the Socialette Podcast. This is episode 133. Today's episode is my first interview one for 2019, and it was a lot of fun to record because it's with my good friend Angela Henderson from Angela Henderson Consulting. Angela and I met at the end of last year at We Are Podcast, a conference where we were both speaking, and we bonded over a couple too many rosés. Ange is a small business consultant, an author, entrepreneur, blogger, mental health clinician, and she's a mother. She helps small business owners navigate the challenges of building a successful business while maintaining a life. In this episode, we chat about the eight profit pillars you need in your business to thrive, the importance of paying to play, and some of the reasons that she sees businesses struggling to survive. Let's get to it. Hey, Ange, thanks so much for coming on the Socialet podcast. How are you today? I'm good. How are you, Ann? Yeah, I'm great, thanks. So, and a lot of my audience um, will be familiar with you, but I think there's going to be a fair chunk who haven't come across you yet. So for those of them who don't know who you are or what you do, what exactly do you do? All right, cool. Well, first of all, I'm Canadian, so I always start with that because I'm a super proud Canadian. <laughs> I love the color pink and I love eating Nutella from the jar. So that's where you'll find me most days. But when I'm not off, you know, in the land of pink and eating Nutella, I do love to help women in business to create susten- uh, sustainable and profitable businesses because so many times people come to me and they're, they've got a business, but it's not sustainable or they've got a business and it's not profitable. So I really like to marry those up together for that those women in business can have the, the goal to, you know, for people future growth and success. And I do that through one-to-one coaching. I do that through my eight-week coaching program. And I also do that through my exclusive women in business retreat. So yeah, that's how I work with women. That's pretty awesome. So how did you actually get to where you are? How did you get to do all of this cool stuff? All this cool stuff. Well, it first started about nine years ago when I opened my first business, which is called Finley and Me. It's an e-commerce platform where at one stage we had over 1,400 different baby and educational toys. And our whole essence there was uh, my son, when he was first born, we were getting a lot of electronical toys and that's all right. But I wanted toys that were going to stimulate him in different ways. So I started looking for different wooden toys that we can bring in that would spark imagination, work on fine motor skill development or gross motor skill development but ultimately just creating those like old school childhood memories. So I started doing the e-commerce platform and from there I started blogging and uh, through that awesome platform I became one of Australia's leading parenting bloggers working with companies like Netflix, Pino Cruises and international brands like Club Med, uh, uh, Hotel Bali, like all these amazing brands. Wow! So it was just another way to monetize the business I guess and through that business is how the consulting, Angela Henderson Consulting business came up, is that in two months, I looked in my diary and realized that in one month, eight people had asked me to pick my brain with coffee, and the uh-huh. other month, another eight people had asked me to pick my brain. And I love connecting with people, but then as I was driving home from that last pick my brain session, and I don't even drink coffee, I slowly <laughs> realized that... I'm paying, I'm like spending 40 minutes driving one way and then spending an hour, then buying my own Diet Coke or lunch and then driving back. And so it was about three hours for each one of those. And I thought, well, hold on a minute. If I charge people for my expertise, I could have a secondary business. And that's how Angela Henderson Consulting came about. It was never on the plan, but it just kind of felt like it just happened. I feel like that's how so many people's businesses evolve. Like mine started out as a health food business and then it evolved yeah. into a wellness marketing agency and now it's evolved into marketing info products. So I feel like, and, and like none of that was planned from the start. So I feel mm-hmm. like it's pretty natural to 
end up with a business look that looks very different to the one that you originally started out to do. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things that too, it's okay to give yourself permission that your business might pivot. I think so many people get really honed in on and stuck on that they're on that trajectory forever. But the reality it is, is that for me, it's like my kids are now nine and six. They're no longer babies. I'm not really into that type of thing anymore. And that's okay. It served its purpose, but it's equally okay to pivot uh, depending on where you're at in business. So, you know, don't ever be shy about changing or trying new things. Yeah, I think it's also an ego thing. Like for me, it definitely was like I was too afraid to pivot out of what was a broken business model because I was worried people would think like, oh, she's a failure or her business hasn't worked or, you know, like I think it's, yeah, that pride and that ego that also stops people from pivoting. Awesome. And so what does a day in the life of Angela Henderson look like? Now, listen, the day's always normally quite chaotic, I'd say sometimes. (laughs) My brain goes a million miles an hour. Most people know I have ADHD. So there's always kind of like that saying that you've got a million tabs open. Uh, Yes, that's kind of how my brain rolls. But I'm also (laughs) a mom to two. I've got a beautiful son named Finley and a delightful little soul, a uh, six-year-old named Chloe Glenella. So my day normally starts earlier, uh, yeah, you'd say 4.30, 5 o'clock, and you kind of do the mum hat for a little while, and then I get them out the door. Well, my husband gets them out the door to before and after school care, um, and then my day pretty much starts. I do a thing called the power hour where I like to focus on, it might not necessarily be an hour all the time where I work on growing my business or like working on it versus in it, um, and so I, I don't allow my myself to do emails or being on Facebook or anything like that. And so I really hone in on that time to allow myself the ability for my business to grow. Um, and you would be amazed at how 30 minutes a day or 60 minutes a day can actually move you forward quite quickly. So I do that. Um, I don't drink green smoothies or do yoga or anything <laughs> like that. I would love to say that I was a little bit more structured with my physical care, something I need to work on. And then Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday are when I work with my VIP clients in one-to-one capacity. And then Thursday and Friday is when I work on growing the business a little bit more. So doing podcasts uh, like today, we're recording yeah. on a Friday. So today is my day to record podcasts. Or like yesterday, I actually met up with you and Anita from Word Fetty. So I really work on other things and just sitting behind a desk like getting out there and growing the business. And then the kids come home at the end of the day and mom hat is back on. Um, And I have to be honest, people talk a lot about work-life balance, but most nights you will not see me binge watching, eating bonbons on the couch. Um, I love what I do. So you'll normally see me plotting away, either reading a book or working on another blog article or looking at who I can get on the podcast. I just like what I do. So uh, it's it might not be what everyone, all the other marketers tell you to do, because I, I, I could work all day just because I love what I do, not because I'm hustling hard. It just I naturally like what I do. Yeah, I get that as well. And it's it's a bit of a fine line, though, because sometimes you can love what you do so much that you just end up working all the time and you neglect all the other areas. But it sounds like you've got a pretty good balance. So you mentioned you've got the power hour every morning. What sort of tasks do you do in that one hour? Yep. So when I was designing my eight week coaching program, it was taking far longer than what I wanted. And what I realized was that I was just neglecting it. So what I did for a few months was I would strategically work on growing that or creating that particular program. Um, And then or or working with one of my writers who helped like kind of flush everything out a little bit more for me. So I was working on that because I knew if I was able to work on those particular tasks, then I was able to reach a bigger audience. And if I could reach a bigger audience, 
audience, I could scale the, scale the business quicker. So I work on that. Or I might uh, research different opportunities for speaking. I might research different podcasts to either have people on my podcast or that I can attend. Um, I look at other um like masterminds around the world where I can attend and network with people. Uh, those are just a few examples of what I'll do within that. But I don't do things like I don't do invoicing. I don't respond to emails. Yeah. I, um, what else am I not doing? I'm not speaking with my team, you know, like none, it's none of those other things. All my tabs on my computer are closed down. So I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Instagram. It's strictly things that I need to work on that I normally neglect because there's not enough hours in the day um, and things get stagnant. So, you know, if you were going to start a podcast, uh, you could be working on your podcast production for an hour each yeah. day and that will move you closer towards being able to launch. So yeah, things like that. Yeah, cool. I like that. And you mentioned masterminds, researching those. Why do you think that being part of masterminds is such an important thing in business? Listen, I think it's one of the top things that have got me to where I am today as a sex, uh, successful entrepreneur, and that is that masterminds position yourself to be with the thought leaders. Uh, masterminds position you to create relationships that will last both at events and post-events, and those relationships are what you're able to draw on um, to help your business grow. So, for example... Uh, going to We Are Podcasts, that's where I initially met you. And then yeah. through, and but before that, though, I actually was a paid uh, attendee at Ronsley's event. Uh, but then I made sure that I positioned myself and I helped Ronsley and I did all those things. And then I followed up post the event with that with Ronsley. And then this year I spoke at his event. And the same things kind of happened wherever I go. And Tash Corbin's event is a couple of weeks. I was one of her VIP clients 18 months ago. Well, now I'm speaking at her event. Um, you know, it's, it's those things that if you put yourself out there and around those people, their networks become your networks and you ultimately end up growing. So um, it's, yeah, it's a strategy. Masterminds have been, yeah, amazing. Now, some people might be out there listening going, oh, well, I can't afford particular masterminds. Start simple. Head to the free events that are in your local area. There's, there's always some, no matter where you are in the world, they are there, I promise you that. And then start paying for different events. Just be mindful that when you start to go to free events, though, the quality of the relationships might not be um, as helpful, per se, because it's a free event. You also might not be around people who are either your ideal client or who get you. So you kind of have to, it's it's kind of like a guessing game at the beginning if, if money's tight. But once you find that tribe, that, that tribe will help you grow and you'll equally help them grow. So yeah, and then through there. Just start, you know, make sure that you're taking a little bit of your overall revenue every year and putting it towards trainings and retreats. Like, Steph, you're speaking at my retreat in October. It's a four-day, three-night yeah. women in business retreat. Can't wait and for it. Yeah, it's super exciting. <laughs> and what comes of that is the, the 26 attendees that went last year, they're still all friends now. So they're doing guest blog posts for each other to help with SEO backlinks. They're, they're going on each other's podcasts. They um, catch up when someone's in Sydney and someone's in Bre uh, Brisbane, they'll share each other's houses. Um, you know, so they're not only there for business support, but they're equally there like from a friendship point of view. So masterminds and networking have been a huge element and huge focus of my overall business uh, strategic plan. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, I think one of the things that I really admire in the way that you approach business is you're not afraid to put yourself out there and you're not afraid to be proactive, which I think quite often, especially in the Australian space, people uh, so it tend to hold back a little bit. Like we're a bit scared to put ourselves out there because if we're perceived as successful, then other people might try and cut us down. Do, is that what you think? Like, do you agree with that? 
I mean, yes, I think, I think, I'm not too sure if I necessarily agree 100% with that, but I also think that Australians are typically a little bit more laid back, maybe, yes. in their approach, is what I would say. Um, I also think there's fewer of us here in Australia, for example. Oh, yeah, definitely. But I also think opportunity in Australia is a lot more limited than, say, in America or overseas. That's why, you know, when I head to Social Media Marketing World um, next month, when I head to my VIP day with Caitlin Batcher next month, all of that's in America. Um, luckily, the one event that was here in Australia where I started my networking was with Darren Rouse with ProBlogger, but oh, yeah. that was off last year. Um, this year, you know, James Shremko has super fast business, but there's not a lot of events in Australia. So I all sometimes wonder is, is it people are afraid to go out there or is it there's just not enough opportunity in Australia market, for example, for people to put themselves out there? Because there's really not a lot of great business conferences in Australia. Like yeah. that's just my opinion. Yeah, that's a really good point. And it's quite expensive to fly over to the US if you're doing that mm -hmm. multiple times a year. Awesome. Okay. Well, let's change tack a little bit. I know that one of the things you're quite passionate about in business is for business owners to get their, their profit pillars right from the start. So what are a couple of the key profit pillars that you think people need to get right? Yeah. And I guess when we look at the profit pillars, for those that are wondering, well, what a profit pillar is, I guess for me, what I've learned over almost the last nine years of being in business is that those pillars are what make up the foundational structure you need for future growth and success. And so many times people don't have those foundations laid and their, their businesses collapse. So I really believe it's super important that we look at growing those foundations. But I guess before we jump into those foundational components, I do want to talk just a little bit about why I believe businesses kind of like collapse, yeah. not just because of the foundational structures, but that's like, there's some other stuff that are underlying that people don't want to talk about. So I guess I'll start with that. And I guess it's yeah. the four reasons why I feel that small businesses struggle to survive. And I guess reason one for me is that businesses lack clarity on what actions to take. And so a lot of times we might think we know what we're doing, but as new business owners, as I'm, I don't know if you can relate to, but when we kind of start, we're kind of just like, freeing it really like we're oh, kind of yes. like I think we should do this <laughs> I don't really know and that works for so long but I know even speaking with you yesterday we have we have been in business long enough that we always know we need to see the bigger picture so reason not wonder reason why number one that businesses struggles that lack of clarity um and then the other thing is is Steph I don't know about you as I said my tabs are open a million different yes. tabs every every minute of every day but that is like succumbing to that shiny object syndrome and the best way I can relate to that I don't know if you've ever played that game Subway Surfer where it's like there you've got to collect all the gold coins you're oh, moving yes, really quickly <laughs> um, and there's all like the shiny gold coins are going but you're not really getting anywhere you're just kind of stuck because you're getting distracted constantly by either the new graphic design or the new list building technique or whatever yeah. the latest influencer is doing and so I think a big reason is that people lose focus and are just jumping from shiny object syndrome to the next and that is another main reason I've seen in the nine years that businesses fail the other thing is, is that businesses, I feel, treat social media as a safety net. And I think it is a significant, dangerous game when you treat your social media as your only safety net. And, you know, we'll talk more about those foundational stuff with websites and stuff. But it is a main, main core reason why people are, are failing. 
And lastly, and I think this is most important reason why businesses uh, potentially end up failing, is that they continue to do it alone. I know I did at the beginning. You're just yeah. like, I don't have money to do it, uh, or I don't know where to go, like networking events. And so I would just spend hours trying to figure it out myself. And I was like, there's got to be a better way. And, you know, a lot of the Instagram memes will push, you know, hustle harder. But the fact is, is going it alone will only take you so far um, and that you really do need a community. So those are kind of like the four main reasons that yeah. people fail. And then I go into that foundational element. And then the only way that I've been able to come up with an analogy about the foundations, and I was sharing this with you before we recorded, was about the story of the three little pigs, which most yeah. listeners probably have heard of at some stage, is most businesses I see when they come to me, they've got a, uh, or a business or aka a house made out of straw or a house made out of um, hay. But um, it wouldn't take much for their businesses to collapse. They're yes. standing there, but if they had one or two bad months, kind of like when the big bad wolf came in and blew it all down, everything would crumble. So I'm a firm believer that you've got to kind of strip things back from the foundational element and build those foundations with uh, bricks so that even if you have a bad month with one monetary stream, you're going to still, your business will be still be standing. So you mean so having kind of, like having different income streams, basically? That's part of the income stream. But even before you would get to different income streams, you still have to have that solid brick foundation. Yeah. Because if not, then uh, what will happen if you have a bad month? Like, it, like what would, what would go wrong? Or do you, are you dependent on social media for everything? Right. And then if social media closed your account down, what would happen? So I guess it's really about looking at what does the foundational structure mean for each business? And what I've kind of come up with over the years of being in business is that there's seven key things that people really need to hone in on um, in order for that to happen. And the first kind of profit pillar I look at is making sure that you've got like a perfect profile or the picture perfect profile. And that really means making sure like, why are you in business? What are you absolutely passionate about? Are you just starting business just to start a business? Or do you actually see the bigger picture? Do you know what type of products your ideal client has? Because if you don't have a product that's going to sell, you don't have a business. Yes. And you, um, you shared a quote on social media the other day, or maybe it was a couple of weeks ago now about um, not finding customers for your products, but finding products for your customers or something like yes. that. Yes. I love yes. Loved that. And that, but it is because so many people think like, oh, I've got this for my thing or for my customer, I've got this. But the reality of it is, is they don't know who their customer is. They yes. just think they've got this great idea. And so what I always say is, is that when we look at pillar number one or laying that first bricks so that we've got a solid foundation is that we look at the perfect profit profile. And we do that again through your ideal client, through your product. And again, your passion, because if you don't have passion and purpose, then you really are, your, your product will only sell for a short amount of time. And if you don't know who you're selling to, you're kind of going to be screwed eventually yeah. at some stage. So we look at that foundational element through that. Then kind of profit number two that I weave my clients into is kind of talking about architecting your um, profit-ready website. And people underestimate the power of a good website because so many people are like, oh, no, I can sell on social media. No. But the problem is, is people exactly don't do it, but they do. And, and is that... You have to have a ground where you can bring people back to because by having a good website, you not only have, you gain authority, you gain credibility. It helps with being found um, organically because you need to have good SEO on that. 
But when I also see a lot of people who do have websites, but they're missing a whole bunch of key components on that website. They don't have a call to action. They don't have a lead magnet. They don't have testimonials. They don't have um, their messaging. You know, they, yeah. they, they're missing all of that. And then they come to me and go, well, I don't know why I'm not converting. And I'm like, well, hold on again. We need to go back to basics because you're ticking the website box, but you're not actually ticking what your ideal client needs when they land on your website. So having a conversional website is super important. Now, so many people will say, oh yeah, my website is so pretty. I want to like, every time I hear that, drink a shot of tequila because I'm like, (laughs) man, your website isn't about being pretty because you would theoretically literally want someone who is um, visually impaired to be able to go on your website and buy. They don't care what it looks like. They just want to buy the product that you're going to, like the problem you're going to solve for them. So if you're ever working with a web developer, let me just give you a tip. And they said, I can make you a pretty website. Please do not sign a contract with them because (laughs) it's about conversional websites first. The design element should always come second. So that's kind of go where I go with my clients is we look at your website and within your website, we, we look at your messaging, your lead magnets. And then we also look at your SEO and we look at your copy on your website because without those main components, you actually don't have a profit ready website. So that's super important for that foundational element. How do you feel about that Steph? Oh, your website is like, it's a salesperson basically. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're pretty lucky. We live in a time when you don't actually have to have like a physical office or a physical store. But at the same time, like that's a blessing and a curse because anyone can set up a website and anyone can set up a website. Like it could be yeah, a mediocre website that doesn't convert or it could be a really good website. But at the end of the day, it's your salesperson. It's like your physical, it's your online store or your, like it's your, your shop front. Exactly. In that shop front, what people forget is open 24 hours a day. Exactly. Yeah. So if you have a great website and that foundational structure with those components I've talked about are implemented, Mm -hmm. you can technically be selling every single like 24 hours a day while you sleep, depending on what your product is. But even if you don't have like a say like a, a program to sell, you can still be selling like actual tangible products, physical products 24 hours a day. So, you know, again, a good website is open 24 hours a day and you ultimately could be selling around the clock. Yeah, exactly. And then I move into profit, you know, pillar number three, and that's what I call the moneymaker map is you got to get really clear on what's really important and where to focus your marketing energies in order to deliver the best ROI for your biz. If you're not able to understand what those marketing energies are and what you need to do in order to really sell for your business um, so that you can convert traffic to sales or prospects, you need to be able to do that. Now, how can you do that? Again, well, lead magnets are a wonderful way. And if you're wondering what a lead magnet is, it's like kind of your freebies that you give away because it's through those freebies that you then start to funnel people in to your sales funnel. So um, also marketing, like where where does your ideal client sit? Does your ideal client prefer to listen to podcasts? Uh, well, if that's the case, then you need to focus your marketing energies maybe on getting on podcasts or starting your own podcast. So I really want to look at when I'm building people's overall you know business so that it's a sustainable and profitable is that we look at the moneymaker map. Where do we focus those marketing energies to deliver the best ROI? Yeah, that's exactly like I drive those things home so much in this podcast. And yeah, if anyone's listening and they don't know about lead magnets, scroll back a little bit because there are about three or four (laughs) episodes on (laughs) how to create one and how to set it up. Like it's such an important part of your business. And yeah, you just can't afford to skip it. 
You can't because without a lead magnet, like I use the example when I first started blogging, I would get thousands of people. Now, I didn't know this when I started. So you learn, but I would get, you know, say 3000 people to one of my blog articles. And then someone said to me, but where's your content upgrade? So content upgrade is just another fancy word for a lead magnet, but it's just a lead magnet that's embedded within the content, right? So I was like, oh, I didn't know I needed one. And they're like, well, if you have 3,000 people visiting just that one blog, do you want them to all go away and you never have opportunity to speak to them again? Or would you like to be able to speak with them again? And I'm like, well, duh, of course I want to speak with them again. And they said, so similar to how you would have that lead magnet on your homepage, you would have have a lead magnet or that content upgrade embedded inside of each blog. So even if you got 10% of those 3,000 people, you've now got new leads to start building trust and add value to, which, will, which some will then convert into a sale. So it was like mind blowing when I first heard that. I was like, okay, duh, like, yep, happy to roll with that. So it's uh, yeah, super important, but overall that kind of strategy that you need to keep having those in there. And people will say like, well, what type of content upgrade could I have? So in my How to Start a Sales Funnel blog that I wrote, I actually created a free a freebie or a free PDF that is just like an eight pager workbook so that you can work through your own sales funnel. That's cool. Yeah. And this isn't rocket science. Some people say, oh, well, I don't know how to create a lead magnet because I'm not crafty (laughs) or I I can write it, but I can't put the book together. Go to Upwork or go to Fiverr and you can find people for $5 who will take your brand colors and your logo and they will turn it into this beautiful PDF and then you're done. Like it's legit amazing. So you don't have to have copious amounts of money um, to create these these lead magnets or content upgrades like we're talking about. Yeah, that's cool. And when you say the marketing map, you mean like all of the different um, different places that people are present? Because as you mentioned before, like you don't want everyone to put all of their eggs in one basket, usually social media. <laughs> Exactly right. Yeah. And so with your moneymaker map around your marketing energies, it's really about because we've already, you know, in this previous profits uh, pillars that we've talked about, is we've already talked about your ideal clients. So we yeah. know where they're sitting. They're either sitting on Facebook, they're sitting on social, they're sitting on your newsletter, they're listening to podcasts. So we need to look at the bigger picture about how do we market to this, do you mean this ideal client in order to increase our sales and overall revenue? So we need to look at that bigger picture the, and that's where the moneymaker map comes from. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Cool. Okay. So that's pillar number three. Now, what yes. is pillar number pillar four? Number three. Yeah. So pillar number four then is, as we talked about, I think it was even yesterday when we were at lunch, but it's around the, the you know, the turbo powered email list building. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of touched upon that just a second ago, but if you don't think that creating your email list is important, you, we've got problems because you're growing your email list is one of the most important things, in my opinion, that you can do, especially in a time when algorithms across the board from Instagram, from Facebook to LinkedIn to Twitter change constantly. And my business coach, James Remco, talks a lot about owning your own race course. And you can do that by email list building. Yeah. Your emails that you have are yours. Now, there, you get to show up into their inbox anytime you send an email. You get to communicate with them 
any time. Whereas with Facebook, you may do a post, but that post isn't guaranteed to communicate to your audience because it depends on the algorithm for the day. Or even if you're paying with Facebook, it doesn't mean that it's showing to the right people if you don't have someone setting up your Facebook ads correctly. Whereas when you have your emails, you are constantly able to build trust and rapport and credibility and add value because you own the race course. And so profit pillar number four is really about how do we turbo power, you know, your email list building so that you can then feed them into, which is my next profit uh, pillar, which is that sales funnel. So often as we are talking about staff is people will have like, say uh, there's women that come to me and they've got 7,000 people on their email list. I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. Tell me more about your sales funnel. And they're like, what's a sales funnel? Oh, yeah. I get that all the time, actually. (laughs) Yeah. And you're like, okay. And again, and to the women that are out there and men that are listening, like, you don't know what you don't don't know. So don't feel bad. But I'm just like, okay, so you've got six or 7,000 people. How often are you emailing them? Oh, I don't know. Maybe once every three months. Okay. So what happens when they first get on your email? nothing. So I guess that's where my profit pillar number five comes in is, is that we look at making sure that we've got the funnel. So as soon as someone signs up for your lead magnet from your homepage or your content upgrade, you know, your free PDF from your blog articles, or even from your Facebook group, because you can get people's emails from Facebook groups. However you get an email, we want to start talking to them right away and nurturing that relationship. If not, they forget about us. So profit pillar Number five is really about simplifying and mapping out what your sales funnels looks like. Because without sales funnels, you're going to probably be working exceptionally hard to create sales. Yes. And again, I've done podcast episodes on this, guys. So if you're not sure what a funnel is or why you need one, (laughs) scroll back and listen to the episode on that. Because yeah, again, so important. And some people out there might be going, okay, well, this is great. I'm a one-man show or I'm a one-woman show and, you know, I've got parts of it, but I need to probably go back and, you know, solidify my pillars a little bit more. And I guess that's where I lead into my profit pillar six. And that is about once you get those foundational elements laid, and the majority of us have to do that on our own when we first start. But once you do that on your own, and when I say on your own is that you kind of, you're working through it. You might have limited funds to begin with. You might hire people and that's okay. And you still have your team, like other, I guess your contractors out there. But once you get to this element, you're probably starting to grow a little bit quicker than you have been in the past. And this is where you need profit pillar six, which is about dream, creating your dream team is in order for you to step back. And as our friend, Carl Taylor talked about it, we are podcast is you can't continue to be the employee in your business. You must start being the CEO of your business. And this is where we look at when you get to this particular pillar is that you need to be able to hone in on, on what is your zone of genius? What are you really, really good at? Um, and also questions that I ask my clients is what would, would Richard Branson be doing the task that you're telling me? And most people are like, hell no, Richard Branson would be not you know, mean, sending um, <laughs> invoices to such and such, or, you know, so what happens there is, is that you have to start building your team. You have to start identifying different job descriptions of what people do. So for example, my team consists of my project manager, and then I've got a community manager 
manager, and then my intern helps. And each of those have different job descriptions, just like you would in the corporate world. So I'm now able to focus on being the CEO of the business and growing the business. And the girls are able to then go and do their jobs that I no longer, not that I won't do them because I'll do them and I know how to do them, but they don't, but they're better at that skill set than I am. So setting up newsletters and emails and scheduling Facebook or dealing with my contractors, I don't need to do that. And Richard Branson wouldn't be doing that. So, you know, um, it's really about honing in on building that dream team so that you've got that really scalability and that you can see the bigger picture to be creative and to grow your business to that next level. And you're, you're like the queen of outsourcing. And and that's something that I've I've definitely picked that up from our conversations. Your, like your attitude is almost like, okay, um, like yesterday we were chatting about this and you were saying, okay, Pinterest, um, you want to start getting your business more on Pinterest, but you don't really want to spend that time learning about it. You'd rather just outsource it to somebody who already knows what they're doing and you focus on the things that are in your zone of genius. And I think that is like, that is an awesome attitude to have because otherwise you'd be going down all sorts of Pinterest rabbit holes and not really doing the things that are making your business money or growing your business. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And what also happens is, is I could go and learn Pinterest, but I probably, because I'm like, oh, this isn't my zone of genius. Oh, this is boring. I'll probably miss key, I'll miss key elements. So I would probably set up my Pinterest incorrectly, but I, in my mind would go, no, I've set it up. It's working. And not until someone who's actually zone of genius it is, they're like, and she did kind of 90%, but you missed the last 10%. And that last 10% is actually the part we need you to be doing. So that's why when you're looking at Google Analytics, you're not seeing anything from Pinterest because you kind of screwed it up. So to <laughs> me is, is that really, and now again, some people might out there and go, well, that's great. You might have a little bit of money. Well, I've worked hard for nine years to get where I am. But you have to remember that the team members that I have range still currently anywhere from seven US dollars an hour up to $75 an hour. So you outsource based on skill set and you outsource based on your budget. When I first started, everything was outsourced to the Philippines. Now, some people out there might go, well, you're taking jobs away from the Australian public. But I disagree. The way I look at it is I'm actually providing three women in the Philippines an opportunity to stay home with their children, just like many of us want to be able to do. And they actually are making more money from working with me at $7 an hour than they are by selling the food on the street to people who they don't know will pay them or will not pay them. And they might waste a lot of that food on the day. This is just an example of one of my ladies that works with me. And they actually are making more money than their husbands. So the wow. women collectively that I've helped, I, they well, they've helped me more than I've helped them is that they said that their self-esteem has increased, that they've been able to be the mom that they want to be, and that they feel, um, one, how did she say it? But it was about her husband. She's like, most men in our country are superior, but I'm more superior now. Oh, that's cool. I like that. (laughs) So so for me, as I guess, you know, for those that are kind of like, I'm taking money away from the Australians, I still have my podcast team VAs that are here in Australia because their skill set is different to what I need from my ladies in the Philippines. I need someone to be on Australian time. I need them to speak fluent English and I need them to understand all those moving components. So I pay them a different rate based on their skill set. But it doesn't mean that their wants and needs are any different to those ladies in the Philippines. So for those out there that are looking at hiring your dream, 
dream team. Your dream team doesn't mean that you're paying thousands and thousands of dollars. It means that you're being smart about who you're hiring and you're hiring for a particular reason. But more importantly, just also remember that just because you hire one VA, it doesn't mean that they're going to be able to do newsletters, emails, and everything. You hire based on their skill sets. You actually might have to have two or three VAs and they're doing a particular job. Um, And also my only little side note that I would also say about hiring your dream team is the majority of VAs fail because of us as leaders. So if you don't have your job descriptions written up for what you want them to do and you haven't trained them and you don't put the time in, 90% of people will end up leaving. Or in your view, you might say they failed you, but the reality is, is we failed them. So yeah. just be mindful of that. Yeah, because it, it is a process. Like it does take time to train them, to map out all the processes for them to follow, all of that. Like it's a massive time investment. And obviously it's like, it's an upfront time investment. So it takes a while before you start actually working together well as a team with your VA and then yeah. yeah once you've finally got that sorted then it starts running smoothly but it's it's the upfront time investment yeah. that I think so many people are hesitant to make yeah or again they jump in and they do it and they do, and then it fails right so I yeah. guess it, like what you said is just be mindful that it might take you two weeks to train someone but like my lady who does all my scheduling she schedules three posts a day over on Finley and me mm-hmm. seven days a week so 21 posts a week and I wow. pay her forty dollars to do that so she's done that now for three years so all I'm saying, but I don't check her work. I che- I literally checked her work for the first three weeks, I think. But because she's done it, I don't check anything. She just rolls with it. So again, but I put in an enormous amount of time in those initial three weeks going, that's not right. You do it this way, did it? And she got it. I did a lot of video training with her just from a free tool called Loom or from Zoom, depending on what you want to use. Um, and yeah, she rock and rolls it. So for $40 a week, I'm getting all of my posts on my other business done for me. And that then frees me up to go and do other things to grow the business. Yeah, that's amazing. That is really good. So, yes. And then the last kind of pillar that so once we've kind of worked upon all these other ones, the last one is really being able to hone into that productivity and profitable pillar. So, you know, you need to really, really be able to look at your revenue projection, your cash flow, um, managing your calendar better um, and really getting clear about, you know, set income targets, but also about where you're mastering your time and your schedule and your priorities. Um, So often when we first start an entrepreneurship or small business, we are kind of just floating by the seat of our pants. And again, that will only get you so far. The, the higher your scale, the more you got to be a little bit rigid. So I've got team meetings on a, mon- on, on a Monday and then on a Thursday. I've got podcasting on a Friday. Things have to become a little bit more narrow in order to be able to grow. So that last pillar, we really need to look at that productivity and that profitability in order for you to have that sustainable and profitable business. Yeah. Okay. So in terms of like the numbers and things, what sort of What numbers do you think people need to be on top of financially in their business? Yeah, so I think first most is, again, what money is going in and what money is coming out or what money you have coming in from the sales and what are your overheads. Again, a lot of people, I think they don't track their numbers. So when they start tracking their numbers and going, oh, I actually spent X amount of money on this person, but they're actually not doing anything for me. Uh, So you need to go what's in and what's going out. I also think it's super important that you're tracking your Google Analytics every month, whether or not you're a service-based industry or a product-based industry. Those numbers help to identify new content creation, 
or content marketing that you might be doing. They might also identify what problems are on your website. If you've got like a high bounce rate, for example, uh, where people are entering. So if everyone's entering via your homepage, for example, that might be a good thing. But if we're not getting anyone to say, if you're a consultant getting to your booking page, we've got some problems there. Or I know I was working with an e-commerce platform and they said, oh, we had it was over 500, but less than six. So we'll say in between that, they had that many people get to checkout, but they didn't have any checkouts. So then what we found out was actually their web developer had messed up on coding something so that wasn't processing the checkout, right? So if you don't look at your monthly numbers to be able to look at that, then you might just keep going, oh, my business sucks because I'm not getting anyone to my website. But we clearly, there was lots of people at the website. The problem was at checkout. We fixed the checkout problem, and then we had a huge influx of orders, ongoing in orders. So those are the things that, again, if you don't look at your numbers, you aren't able to dissect what is working and what isn't working. The other thing that I look at is on Google Analytics is I look at where is the traffic predominantly coming from. Again, if you're putting all of your eggs into Facebook and Instagram, it's going to tell us that it's coming from those social platforms, and you're not being found organically. And what people have to remember is that if you're – are putting something up on Facebook and someone's in their undies binge watching on Netflix, they probably don't have their credit card out ready to buy from you. They're just scrolling. So they might click over, but they're not in the mentality to buy from you. And that's why your website stuff, and I think Profit Pillar too, is we make sure that you are going to be found organically by looking at your short tail and long tail keywords. Because we know if someone has their credit card out and they've got a problem. So example is when my brother passed away in May last year, I needed a plane ticket right away. Now, I'm not scrolling through Facebook to find no. the best deal. I'm start Googling plane ticket from Brisbane to Edmonton, Alberta. Who's got the quickest and who's got the cheapest to get me there? Like, I need to be there now, right? And so they then, when you go searching for something organically in Google or your clients do, you've got a 30% greater chance of conversion because people are already in the buying headspace yeah. than they are if it on Facebook. So again, it's another great number to be looking at because if 90% of your traffic is coming from social, you need to go, well, hold on a minute. I need to probably look at my SEO strategy and start working on that. So Google Analytics, I kind of look collectively at all of those numbers because um, it helps my clients and I. And then obviously looking at those KPIs, what, how many sales did we have? How many drop-offs did we have at cart? Um, how many people hit our sign-up sheet? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So yeah. So those are kind of the main numbers I look at, and then productivity-wise, like I said, I look at implementing with my clients at you know power hour, that thirty to sixty minutes, depending on how much time they have to help grow their business. Such a good idea. Um, and just also looking at you know where where do we um, take some of those roles and responsibilities off and give it to our dream team. So yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and just for our listeners, there's a bit more on SEO in the episode with Kate Toon. She dives very deep into it because <laughs> it is yeah, a pretty an awesome person with SEO. She is, and it's a pretty overwhelming topic. So I, I think like a lot of business owners get very like, oh, it's too technical for me, and they sort of put it on the back burner. They don't give it the attention it deserves, and then they're they think about outsourcing it, but it's really hard to find somebody who's good to outsource it because there's so many people just like waiting to rip you off. Um, yes. So yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's a really important thing to get started with. Now with every podcast guest, I have a couple of questions that I ask them at the end just to, just to, you know, um, reflect on your time in business so far. So the first question I'd like to ask you, Ange, is what advice would you give to your pre-business self? What advice would I give to my pre-business self? 
just ask for help. Yeah. Like I think too many times, like we talked about earlier, as ego is driven, you know, oh, so yes. it's like, no, I damn well, I will figure this out. I do not need to ask for help. Whereas, uh, yeah, if I would have learned earlier on to check the ego at the door and ask for help t- for those people that have that skill set, I would have gone, I would have made a lot less, um, I don't say mistakes are failures because I believe that every mistake and failure I've had has been a lesson I've needed to get to the next part. So I definitely think that's a positive, like I try to look at the positive there, but I just think that if I would have asked for help quicker, um, then I would, do mean, I would be in, I would be in a different spot in my business. So yeah. So when in doubt, ask for help. Yeah. I love that. So true. And the next question is what has been your biggest whoops moment in business? My biggest whoops moment was, is, uh, I had hit depression, a really bad part, uh, my life with depression and anxiety. And I decided to outsource all of Finley and me. So 1400 products to a third party (sighs) logistics company down in South Australia. So again, you don't know what you don't know, but everyone kept saying, no, you need to outsource just so that you can, you know, work on you for a little while. But the problem is, is outsourcing to a third party logistics company is really, really great. If you've got maybe 10 products and when they're coming in, say from China or from your manufacturer, they're already kind of pre-sold. So they only land in the warehouse, the warehouse packs the orders, and then you dispatch right away. With Finley and me, we had a core, let's just say, 200 products that sell sold very quickly, like all the time. And then the rest of them were kind of floaters. And you had those mm. floater products that help with SEO. So like say baby bib was one. You didn't sell a lot of baby bibs, but when you had people searching for baby bibs, you had a higher conversion because again, they found us organically. Right. So what happened was, is then you paid for shelving for oh. all of these products that weren't moving. But no one told you that when you're like, hey, I'm looking at third-party logistics. How does it all kind of work? The the way that the person who I signed with made it is like, oh, yeah, this will be fine. So then what happened was is it then started eating into our profit margins because not all of our product was moving. And then we had to bring it back to Brisbane. So that was my biggest oops moment. Uh, And anyone out there that looking at third-party logistics, definitely – it's a lot of research. It's not just a quick fix. You got a lot of variables you need to look at. Oh my goodness. I feel like the whole of e-commerce is a lot of variables to look at. (laughs) It's very different to running a service-based business. Awesome. Okay. And then the last question I have for you is what has been your biggest growth moment in business? My biggest growth moment in business I think, again, for me, my biggest growth moment or aha moment came when I paid, you know, $13,000 to head to my first big mastermind um, in the Philippines with Chris Ducker. It was from that that I realized when you're surrounded with 50 other people who are at that kind of level where your business can go. And because of that, I came back and made some changes with Finley and me. Um, I started looking at the bigger picture. And that's kind of when those people started asking to pick my brain, you know, over the couple of months. And then things just kind of happened. But it was because of my mindset and my shift in the way I was thinking because I hadn't necessarily surrounded myself with those kind of top thinkers or the way think people would think like laterally and in the future and strategically. Yeah, um, sure. that, that particular five-day mastermind definitely was my biggest growth moment. And uh, again, my biggest investment uh, at that particular time in my life. But if you are going to grow, you have to back yourself and you've got to invest in that in that future growth and success. Oh, 100%. Awesome. Now, Ange, you have an eight-week coaching program called Profit Pillars with Angela Henderson. So would you like to tell us a little bit more about this? 
Yeah, so we do have our eight-week coaching program will be opening up fairly soon, uh, I believe at the end of March when I get back from social media marketing world. And it's really the eight-week plan to failure-proof your business. And as I talked about before, it really hones in on strategy, clarity, and community so that it's not something that you have to do alone, but you're equally able to get that clarity and get the strategy you need to be able to move your business forward. And as those elements that I talked about today with those different profit pillars that you need, we dissect each one of those profit pillars a little bit more, give you the videos and the workbooks that you need. And as I said, I think almost more importantly, that community you need to be surrounded by other women who get you, understand you, and you can give advice to and or seek advice to is is super powerful to grow forward. So yes. Yeah. I think people don't really place enough val- enough weight on the importance of community. Like it is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree. I mean, look at like, I met you through community. I've met yeah. like, and, and it's kind of like the bank account analogy that I use is if you don't have community and you're not giving to any relationships, you can't draw out anything. But if you, and that's in both partners, your kids, your parents, whatever. So my thing is this community is the same. You need to build that community and you've got to give and add value so that when the time comes that you need to withdraw or ask for a favor or ask for something, the people have your back. So without that community growth, you, again, you're doing it alone. So if you, you're not going to be able to grow that business successfully if you don't have a community around you to help you grow. Exactly. And speaking of communities, you have a nice Facebook one. I'm really proud of that segue, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Good segue, good segue. Yes. So obviously, because our eight-week program isn't open, I would love for all of your listeners who are out there to join our amazing group called the Australian Business Collaborative over on Facebook. Uh, I think, again, without being, you know, a little like, it's not just another Facebook group. I'm in there actively all the time. It is a free group. And its really essence is driven around community. You don't just sit there and get crickets. People are answering your questions for you. They're helping guide you. My community manager, Helen's also in there. I'm in there. Um, So I really tried to have a point of difference with this community group because I feel a lot of groups that I'm in are, are quite stale. They're all automated where I really believe in human connections. So I would love for you to join our community where, wherever you are in the world. I just called it the Australian Business Collaborative because I live in Australia. So yeah, so just head to Facebook, search for Australian Business Collaborative and I'd love to see you in there. Yeah, I'm in there as well. And yeah, I can I can vouch for the fact that it's not, it's not stale. It's not spammy. Like it's probably one of the most interactive and most engaged Facebook groups that I've seen that's not like not full of clutter because you know how like sometimes groups get too big and there's no it's it's not really valuable anymore like your one I could actually go in there and scroll and I reckon I would find a lot of value yes well no well thanks for that yeah we worked hard to keep the spammers out you can promote your business in there on Wednesdays um I just always say don't be like a seagull seagulls (laughs) like to fly in, swoop down, and then leave. If you want your business (laughs) to succeed, you actually need to, again, be present in the group because then you build credibility, you build a presence, you build authority. So when you actually promote on the Wednesday, uh, people then take notice of you and you've got a higher level of conversion, right? So I always say people want me to get a t-shirt that says, don't be like the seagull. Uh, So yes. (laughs) That's great. Awesome, Ange. Thanks so much. Oh, actually, where can people find out more about you? Because I don't think you've shared your website or social media yet. Sure. Yeah. No worries. So you can find me at uh, www.angelahenderson.com.au, uh, where you can also, once you click on there, you can click on our podcast link and then you can choose how you want to listen to that, whether it's at Apple, iTunes, Spotify, etc. And so that leads into a good segue there, Ange, into my podcast, mm-hmm. which is Business and Life Conversations with Angela 
Henderson, where I do solo and both interviewed, uh, uh, yes, podcasts around business, but also live. So I do talk about, you know, moms in business. I talk about mental health and then I also talk about business strategy. So it's a little bit of everything. Um, and that's obviously again at AngelaHenderson.com.au. And I'm trying to think what else. All my social handles are Instagram is Angela Henderson Consulting and same with Facebook, Angela Henderson Consulting. Nice and easy. Awesome. Thanks so much, Ange. I know you've provided like so much value and I know that my listeners are going to get a lot out of this episode. So thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for having me and you have an awesome day and I look forward to, yeah, seeing you soon.